Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Emerson is about storytelling. He's got a show on June 13th. The link to that show is in this podcast description. Another thing in this podcast description is a link to our Patreon account. We are going to return to the live show soon, but until then, please consider donating to our Patreon account. There's lots of different tiers. We've actually updated the tiers, so if you want to just look, feel free to do that. Click a link, look at a thing. Here's the show. Here's Emerson. So you have a show in 10 days, and it's probably going to be one of the last Zoom shows? For now, yeah. I think the virtual shows are going to go dormant for a while. I don't think they're going away. I think it's just too... uh, It makes too much sense uh, from a financial perspective and in terms of convenience and a lot of other reasons to do virtual shows and events. But I think right now people are really eager to get back into rooms with other people. So I think we're going to be going more back toward the live shows with fewer virtual shows for the foreseeable future. Do you find any joy in doing the virtual show? Yeah, actually uh, the convenience of it has inspired me to check out a lot of things that I would not have otherwise checked out. Uh, It gives me a chance to do shows for people that don't live in Los Angeles uh, and meet people from other parts of the country. Uh, It was kind of a lifesaver, especially in the early days of the pandemic to be able to uh, reconnect with people that I knew even just around town and see some of the creative ways that people were trying to keep the scene alive. So yeah, I've had some sublime moments with virtual shows. Obviously it's not the same thing. You don't get the same uh, feel good chemicals from seeing people on a screen that you do seeing them in a room. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that you found some joy in that because I'm probably like, Maybe I don't. Know, I have no idea, but I did not participate or watch like any of them. But I think that also has more to do with having a kid. And yeah, that's that takes up a lot of your time. Like I'm not going to pay to watch a stream when I'm just trying to sleep. Fair enough. And that's not against the stream. Good for the stream. I'm glad the stream exists. Yeah, I think everyone is getting extremely burned out on virtual shows and and Zoom right now, but I don't think they're going away because I did see some really cool stuff. Like uh, Blumhouse, the movie studio, Mm -hmm. did a virtual experience uh, over the summer where they had a virtual house that was had rooms based on all their different movies that you could go in and try to solve the mystery with other strangers that were playing the game. And like, it was pretty rudimentary by video game standards, but by um, for the film industry, it was pretty innovative in terms of uh, getting pretty close to creating a live experience just in that virtual space. But that's like a lot of money. That's that's not the typical. They, yeah they they spent some money on that. Ludacris hosted it, so yeah, you know it wasn't cheap. Luda's not doing anything for free. Probably not at this point. Uh, do you want to speak about what you're going to speak about or no? 
Yeah, um, this is a story about uh, something that I did by myself, which is kind of a theme in my life. I do a lot of interesting things by myself. Uh, I take a lot of responsibility for other people's experience of things. Like I, if I go to a movie with somebody, it doesn't matter how much I'm enjoying it. If that person hates it, I'm not going to have a good time. Sure, sure, sure. So I end up doing a lot of experiments just on my own so I can experience something without having to take responsibility for someone else's experience of it. And as a result, a lot of the most interesting things that I've experienced have been things that I experienced alone. And telling these stories about those things serves a couple of functions uh, one, if I had an experience that was kind of horrific or weird or confusing, translating it into comedy and explaining, talking about it in a way that makes other people laugh to me is like as close as I get to alchemy, like shit into gold. Mm -hmm. That's what, you know, one of the most powerful experiences that I can have. And it also addresses the existential angst that I have over like, you know, if, if I was the only person who experienced something and then I die and take it to my grave, did it ever really happen? Well, I can at least share it with a room full of other people right now. And then, you know, there it has, it reverberates in some way outside of my own experience, which is a long way of saying, uh, a couple of years ago, I started doing live storytelling shows in Los Angeles. Uh, I, as you know, we were part of a community in Chicago that did zine readings, mm -hmm. which I always really enjoyed and was a good way to do this and make friends. Uh, I, I also did stand-up comedy for a while, although after I got sick, I wasn't able to do the open mic grind night after night and compete with guys that were doing three open mics every night. So I had to take a break from that. And the live storytelling kind of splits the difference. Uh, do you know what the moth is? Of course. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The moth is basically like the biggest open mic in, in Los Angeles. Uh, there, there's a format, like you have to tell a true story. It has to have a beginning, a middle and an end. Uh, but other than that, it's, it's a pretty loose format and you'll see a wild variety of stuff. You'll see you know, performers that are doing this to, uh, to work on their skills. And you'll also see just weird and interesting people off the street that have something that they want to relate. I started doing this a few years ago. And I found it was a good way to split the difference between like getting up and reading my writing and doing stand up. Like there's a performance aspect to it, but I could be a little bit more expansive and I don't have to be constantly fishing for, for laughs. And uh, it's gone pretty well. Uh, I've made a lot of friends doing it 
uh, it's been a really good creative exercise. I think there's been this era in the last year and a half where a lot of it's gone virtual and this will be one of the last things like that that I do. This story is going to be about a solitary experience that I had years ago when I decided to travel from Athens, Georgia, which is where I lived at the time, to Portland, Oregon by Greyhound bus. And it's going to be kind of about wrestling with, is this a good idea? How crazy do you go over the course of a couple of weeks of uh, crisscrossing this great nation of ours on, on buses? And what what's the deal with the other people that you meet? Uh, and so that it's that that's what the story is going to be about. I don't want to give anything away, but you did this when you were younger, and that's right. Um, would you do that now? Now that you are, uh, you're twice your age. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, okay. uh, the last time I rode Greyhound was uh, probably ten years ago from San Francisco back to LA and I pretty much decided that I would never do it again. It's just deteriorated even more than before. I wonder if any of that will change because we have a president that really cares about that stuff. Well, he's got two years. Uh, I'm really hoping the infrastructure takes a, uh, takes a front seat because I, I see these like proposed maps of coast to coast rail lines and stuff like that, and it just makes my heart beat a little faster. Yeah, I uh, I want to do all those things, but they're so cost prohibitive because to have like a decent train seat, it's like why don't you just pay to fly and be there in like a tenth of the time for the same amount of money? And then the bus thing is just. Yeah, it's 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 tough. It's it's a toll on your body. I mean, what you did was over was about a week long, and yeah, that's that's a long time in a one specific position, regardless of whom you're sharing a bus with. Yeah, I'm six foot one, so like even riding coach takes a toll on me physically. Uh, I just I don't think I could do anything like that on Greyhound again. Um, I did my. Most notable Amtrak experience was uh, when I was in college, I was the music director at the radio station and the other music director was afraid to fly. And so like, he was just terrified of getting on airplanes. He wouldn't do it. And we were scheduled to go to the CMJ Music Marathon in New York City, which at the time was sort of like what South by Southwest is or what it was before it became what it is now, which is like a convention for uh, alternative, the alternative part of the music industry back when that existed. And um, so I woke up on Tuesday morning and we were going to ride Amtrak to New York for the fest, which started the following day because the, the Amtrak experience would take a full day. The news story was somebody flew an airplane into the World Trade Center in New York City, um, which I thought it didn't 
seem significant at the time because I it I uh, remembered another story about a guy who tried to fly his airplane into the White House when Bill Clinton was in office and didn't succeed in doing much of anything. And I thought it was going to be another one of those. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, over the course of the day, it became clear that uh, CMJ was not going to be happening and we were not going to be taking Amtrak to New York City as we were scheduled to on on that day. Yeah, I uh did you ever end up doing that trip to New York? Yeah, about a month later and it was just creepy as hell. Yeah. Like it's it's still everything still smelled like smoke and a lot of the windows were boarded up. It was a bizarre experience. I think I took that train a year or two later also going from to CMJ, but I did it from Chicago and uh not a front ride. It's a, it's another 24-hour ride. So yeah, I've done I've done this stuff, and now twenty odd years yeah. later, I I don't want to do any of it. It doesn't, no matter how much money it it saves, it doesn't save any money. Now that you're this age, do you do things just for the story, knowing that it's going to be bad in the moment? Yeah, um, a lot of what I do is is for the story. Still, um, I'm an anxious person. Yeah, and a lot of time, like I get anxious even before going to hang out with people that I've been friends with for ten years. Um, I a lot of times will talk myself into doing interesting things because I know I'm going to get an interesting story out of it. So this is a lifelong thing. This isn't just a performance thing. No, this is a this is how I spur myself into action uh it's kind of there's something called behavior activation therapy where uh if you're depressed or you're anxious and you have a lot of resistance to doing things that can help you the the modality is basically well just do those things and see what happens yeah. uh, which is easier said than done and that's why sometimes you know you deserve some accolades just for getting out of bed in the morning but a lot of my life has been just doing weird, dumb shit so that I can have an interesting experience. What's the last weird, dumb thing you did just for the experience? Uh, well, it's been a while thanks to the pandemic. But um, I'd say a lot of my psychedelic drug experiences fall into that category. Yeah, skydiving is one of those things. I need to do more. That's probably what I'm going to do this summer is just think, think of some scary things that will be interesting to recollect later and do them. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, society will be doing that. Yeah, I think that's what Shot Girl Summer is going to be all about. Is there anything on the docket that you know you're going to be doing in the next two months? Kind of wrapping up the, the virtual storytelling commitments i think this this show is called soul stories live it's based out of chicago um it's i think it's going to be really good if you're interested in seeing what live storytelling is like or hearing about this story uh it's a they're really supportive and you know, that's another thing that you don't see as much in stand-up comedy or other kinds of performance there's not a whole lot of commerce around storytelling, but the people are really supportive of each other and friendly. And that's the, this show 
encapsulates that more than just about any other one I've seen. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to go to Palm Springs for my birthday, which is June 16th. Um, I, I will probably visit my family in Chicago uh, where we've all been vaccinated for a minute and I haven't seen my nieces in a few years. I haven't really been out of Los Angeles in quite a while. So I'm looking forward to doing a little bit of traveling, uh, but also just exploring the new landscape. I think I'm trying to reconnect with people now that I've lost touch with who I know are always doing interesting things. And I'm looking forward to stumbling into some new things to do. That's great, man. I, I wonder if we'll actually run into each other in Chicago this summer. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, what's When are you planning to be there? Middle of July. Are you going to be doing a show? Maybe. I'm waiting to hear back. I'm, I'm prodding you to, to plug your activities. <laughs> no, it'll be weird. I'm, my first DC show is July 2nd. That's the first time I'll be indoors without a mask on, and it's going to be weird. But I actually ordered a... Um, a new mask to specifically wear so I could talk through it. So maybe I won't be unmasked either way. Um, I'm vaccinated and this is totally just fear for giving my kids something. So yeah, that's, that's legitimate. Um, yeah, I, it'll be, it'll be weird because yeah, I've also been vaccinated for a while, but I'm not, I haven't done, I've done one indoor thing without a mask and it was very weird for the first hour. Yeah. Th those first, um, experiences could be really awkward but it's interesting because like your show that you're talking about and those type of shows here in dc that are starting to open like seemingly most everything is selling out right away because people want to get back to something in person they're desperate yeah yeah people are anxious and really need hugs and want to know that all of that stuff is coming back so it's a weird mixed bag of like fear but also excitement to do it i guess it's not a weird mixed bag it's just like most anxious people yeah it's gonna be like for for those of us who have experienced social anxiety in normal situations it's gonna be easy to empathize with that experience 